Hey there, PDX Real Estate Podcast listeners. Before we get into today's show, I've got a real quick announcement for you, and that is that my company, TTM, is still looking to buy fixers and teardowns all over the Portland metro area, even in this post-corona economy that we have going on right now. So if you have anything that comes across your desk that may not fit the retail market, we'd love to hear from you. All you got to do is go to our website, which is ttmdevelopmentcompany.com. There's a contact us tab, fill out the information, submit it to us, and we'll give you a call. Or if you'd like to, just call us at the office, 503-224-6200, and we'd love to chat with you about the property. Now, let's get into the show. This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast. Your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. Welcome, everybody. It's Friday. We're back. We haven't been uh, doing shows in a while, but we wanted to bring one back. We're sharing on my wall. We might be on Steve's wall. We might be on Joe's wall, but we're definitely in Masters uh, as well. So for those of you guys, wherever you're watching it, we want to thank you. But uh, we've got a great show today. we got Best of Masters. we got a, a bunch of great topics. And of course, this is the Portland Real Estate Podcast. Before we get into all that, What's up, my co-host? It's been a while. We got to dust the, you know, blow the dust off here, the microphones, and get back at it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Been good. good to be back. Yeah. We got some exciting topics. Lots of lots going on for sure. Um, <clears throat> interesting times. Good yeah. times. Good times. Like, I think we're all busy, busier, busy as we've ever been, probably. I would say it's a very interesting time. I, you went to, I, I was creeping on your wall, Steve. I guess this will be a good lead in, but you went to a, uh, a showing of a house last night, a little house party that Randy put on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a, with a fairly sizable price tag on it, uh, from what I've been told. Big size price tag, big price tag, 4 million bucks on Pine Valley. Yeah. Nice, oh, wow. nice house, but that's a lot of money. That might be indicative of a, a good lead into a market uh, update of what's going on in the market. Uh, there's some, some interesting stuff going on. That's for sure. It's hard to, I would say it's, it's difficult to know what something is actually worth right now. That's mm -hmm. uh, I'm still having a hard time with that, but um, we've got a couple other topics too, kind of surrounding that, but what do you guys want to jump into first? Should we go into kind of market updates slash the big 10,000 pound gorilla in the room? Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's do it. Um, so this, I mean, this will tie into uh a market update. I this was a posting that I made a while ago, <clears throat> and it was about Zillow. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> um, let me see if I can search here for it. Uh, oh, hang on a second for some. Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, so Zillow is buying houses. Let's 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 just cut to that part. Um, and uh. Here's what I posted. How does this systemic institutional practice of overpaying for homes not help contribute to the next housing crash? When the dust settles and the journals are reporting on how it happened, won't this be a centerpiece topic? It reminds me of the last housing crash with one slight major difference. That time, the mortgage companies were eager, eagerly pumping up the market one transaction at a time and enjoying the seemingly never-ending market appreciation. 
but they were at least smart enough to realize they wanted nothing to do with the actual owning, maintaining, and dealing with the selling of the properties. Taking ownership of the property was worst case scenario. Apparently this time it is the goal. Before you dismiss this notion too quickly, it's probably good to remind you that Lehman Brothers alone had a market cap of 60 billion in 2007 on 4.2 billion net income, but later filed BK to, due to real estate losses. Zillow has a market cap of only 25 billion and actually lost 160 million in 2020. So I was, um, <clears throat> so this obviously talks about the market because we're gonna talk about um, the, uh, you know, the realities of what is occurring and let's be clear if the market was to 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 take a dump <laughs> these companies that own thousands and thousands of houses um are going to feel it there's it's called right down to market right remember that term all of a sudden they have all these homes and they're going to have to start writing them down <clears throat> to their real value um so there's a couple things going on here. Let me let me just share a little bit of, of my experience. So in in the past few weeks, um, we've been hearing more and more about Zillow buying houses. In fact, and and one thing that will probably surprise you, Tucker. I mean, we're not talking five hundred thousand dollar houses, four hundred thousand dollar houses. I mean, they are going. There was a house in Tualatin we listed. It was. A, it was kind of back to a busy road. We listed it at 800. We listed it at 815. We dropped to 800 about three weeks later. I think it's closing today, by the way. It ended up getting an offer and I, we're closing like 790, 785, something like that, right? Um, nice house, you know, newish, built in like, I think 12 or 13 or something like that. Um, so in the process, one of the neighbors tells my seller, hey, I mean, a direct comp on the same street, you know, very same builder, everything. Hey, by the way, Zillow's buying our house for 830. <laughs> and she tells us she's like, she's like, gosh, I wish I had sold to Zillow. And I mean, when why wouldn't she say that? Right. It seems like free cash um, more more than she got in, in an easier experience. Um, get this, though. It, the story doesn't end there. By the way, the buyer of their house, my client's house, came with an offer contingent on them selling their house to Zillow. So on this one transaction, the buyers are selling their house to Zillow. The neighbor is selling their house to Zillow. Okay. So, and this happened just, you know, four weeks ago because we're closing today. So I was like, wow, okay, there's a lot of Zillow out there. And then this article that I shared, and, and I should think I shared this just shortly after that was happening. Um, they, uh, I mean, they they called it an arms race, right? An arms race. Like we're we're just we're all Zillow and Open Door. And by the way, I'm seeing commercials for Open Door and Zillow um, pretty regularly these days. Are um, they're just out racing against each other, trying to outbid each other. Um, and 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 let's be clear they're not interested in making money I, we could we've all seen examples i think it's been commented on several times you you watch what they're buying it for and they're listing it for less later and they're and supposedly in some cases they're doing work and obviously they've got carrying costs and, and commissions and all sorts of other stuff um so 
It does. Um, there's two things to discuss with this. I think the first is near term. And then I think longer term is a secondary discussion. In other words, how does this impact us today? Well, it's bad. Let's there's no there's no sugarcoating it as realtors. I mean, we're losing transactions out of the market. Um, people, if, if Zillow's coming in and 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 effectively offering an easy close, quick close, cash close for more than we could probably sell it for if we listed. I mean, we're drawing dead. There's there's no fixing that. Um, so it is problematic in the near term. I will say, um, uh, I will say that you know, I, I think a lot of people are kicking around strategies on how to deal with it, and and I don't have a good solution. Probably the one thing that I can say I've personally done, and um, and I'm happy I've done is. And, and part of it was this about three years ago when we were first hearing about open door, I, you know, I, I did have this aha moment. I was like, you know, I bet, I bet Justin Harnish isn't worried about open door, right? I bet, I bet Terry Sprague's not worried about open door. So I, I did part of, and that wasn't the only reason, but I was like, I, I, I want to get into the higher price points. And I've been, I've been progressively doing, grabbing some tremendous market share above a million dollars. Um, so if I was going to tell our listeners one thing they could do, that's that's a huge thing they can do. I don't know that there's a sugar or a silver bullet answer to a conversation. If you're if you're talking to a seller and, and they're getting a you know and they're six hundred thousand dollars house and they're getting an offer from Zillow that's just crazy. I don't know that there's a um, a silver bullet on how you're going to save that deal. Um, longer term. I, I don't, this isn't going to work. And I'm, and I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I call BS. I, I think, um, I think the market is frothy. I think this is just, um, adding, injecting, um, steroids into that froth. Um, it reminds me a lot, like you said, just before we jumped on the air, Tucker of, of 2005, as my post said, I mean, the, the, um, in 2005, the belief was there was a couple beliefs. One, the market never goes down. Two, we've figured out how to take shitty mortgages, chop them up, and make them good mortgages. And and that's because we're so smart. We've got algorithms and a bunch of you know really smart dudes on Wall Street. I mean, have 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 they've sliced this up into a good thing? Well, they later realized that a bunch a shitty mortgage chopped up ends up being a bunch of shitty stuff chopped up, right? The same here, right? You you can't just take a shitty house and because you're a technology company with algorithms and, and um, data science and suddenly it becomes an easy to sell house and you've automated it and now it's it's you're gonna make a bunch of money. Even though today they know they're not making money but in the future at some point. Um, so that's one of the big things that reminds me of it. Um, I'll let you. I'll, I've talked a little while here. Go ahead, Tucker. I mean, what's what are you seeing and hearing? You, I know you're you're doing something personal with a competitor of Zillow, right? Yeah, I mean, I really wanted to get behind the curtain here, right? I wanted to see who's the Wizard of Oz that's pulling the strings behind all this and figure out how smart they are, first of all, in terms of real estate. But it's it's interesting, man. It really is. And you know, back in two thousand five. It was kind of like getting into the mortgage game, especially on the secondary market, the way they were chopping up mortgages and combining them and trying to hedge risk. It was kind of like the 
the in vogue industry, right? It was like, it was an arms race for making money, selling paper basically. And, and now the arms race is to be a prop tech company. That's what they call it. Like this whole thing is, are you prop tech, right? Your property technology company. And so you've got a lot of these same types of, of people that are, they don't know how to get dirty. They've never really been on a seller appointment. They haven't walked through a shitty house themselves but they have these theories on how all this stuff should work and how money should flow. And you put enough money behind anything and you can at least make it work for a while, right? Like that's just the reality of it. And so I feel like it's 2005, but the new in vogue thing is to be a prop tech company versus, you know, figuring out ways to slang mortgage paper on the secondary market to make money with that or just be a mortgage company in general. Um, and so I just feel like there's a lot of, there's some good ideas here that I think will stick. There's a lot of bad ideas kind of mixed in with, just like you said, they've kind of made a shit salad by chopping up crappy mortgages, putting them with good mortgages. And it still is a shitty tasting salad, right? You figured <laughs> that out later, not now. And so, you know, for example, I'm doing some consulting with a competitor of, um, open door and Zillow. It's a smaller competitor. They're rolling out in a few markets. They're not, you know, nationwide in 20, 30 markets like Zillow or open doors, but they're trying to compete for that same type of market share. They're trying to buy that same type of product. Um, what they will eventually figure out and what Zillow and open door has figured out is that if they want enough volume to justify to their investors that they can one day be profitable and control, you know, X number of transactions in any given year in any given market, they have to expand their buy box, right? And so that's why you're seeing they're not just buying the cheap little house anymore. They're going into the higher price points. They're buying different stuff because they have to, if they want to meet this kind of deal quota, so to speak, to continue to show growth. They don't need to show profitability. They just need to show growth in transactions done. And so I think that is the idea within this whole thing that will ultimately burn it down to some extent, that they're, they're chasing growth, not profitability. And if you chase that too far, you can get over your skis. And we're not there yet, but I think we're 2005-ish. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, though, they do own the asset, not the paper. Before they were writing down the value of the paper, right? Borrowers quit paying, the value of the paper plummets to whatever it plummeted to. They were selling them for 20, 30 cents on the dollar. Um, which then obviously drove down real estate prices as well. In this case, they own the assets. So if there is ever a, a correction because we've put you know, too much air into the balloon, they own the underlying asset and there is no pay. The payments that are going to have to be made are them making their debt payments to you know, however it is that they're financing, whether it be bonds or raising money internally or whatever it is. So I don't think the correction would be nearly as big, but I don't know, man, it's seeing what they're paying, you can only drive prices up so long, right? And then you get price resistance. And right now we're still in that time period and within certain markets and certain price points, you can still drive price a little more. But when we hit that proverbial ceiling, what happens then, right? Um, and I don't know, we're in 2005. We'll see what happens in 2007, right? When we get there. But that's kind of the feeling that I got is there's some good ideas mixed in with some bad ideas. And when the bad ideas end up kind of surfacing and going, ooh, that wasn't a good one. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen. I really don't, but that's kind of how I see it at the moment. You, you know what it reminds me of? You, 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 you reminded me of a thought I, I'd had about this. In 2005, do you remember who the biggest mortgage lender in the country was? Lehman Brothers? No, Countrywide. Countrywide, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, 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 and they, uh, they were doing the most mortgages 
And there was this kind of this belief that they'd, they'd made it so easy, which doesn't sound that different, right? In a different, you know, hey, we make it so easy. And they made it so easy that there was kind of this belief that we can, we can, we can screw up on some loans along the way and do bad loans because we're doing so many because everybody's coming to us because we're easy. Well, we know how that ended. They were the first to go down and Bank of America had to bail them out and buy them. And that was a mess, right? And their their CEO went, you know, did the walk of shame as he left. Uh, I forget. He was that really tan guy. I remember that. Um, and uh, <laughs> so it so there's there's an element of that 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 I'm reminded of. Um, the other thing for countrywide and everybody else back then was as they were making mistakes, they were turning around and selling them and the market was going up. They were doing okay. That wasn't bad. Zillow has bought a lot of homes and they've probably overpaid for them in the last year. And they're okay because the market's appreciated. They're actually probably breaking even or showing a little profit. But watch out the second that turns around, right? I mean, you could have made a bad buy in December and overpaid for something. And if you're selling it now, you're you're patting yourself on the back and you're like, man, that was good. Um, another interesting thing that's going on, and this isn't as much real estate related, but it reminds me of, of, of this. Have you guys paid much attention to like Uber and, and what's going on with them? You know, when they came out, I first started hearing about Uber, maybe it was 14, 2014, 15. I mean, they were the bee's knees. Like every, every, they, they became, they were so well, they were so praised that everyone wanted to be the Uber of their industry, right? We're going to be the Uber of real estate. We're going to be the Uber of this. We're going to, that, but if you actually, that was in 2014, 15, 16. If you pay attention to them now, they are a glorified cab company. All of a sudden, they're, 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 they have legislative issues with whether they can be 1099 in California. Their, their drivers are demanding more money. So all of a sudden, they're not really that much cheaper than the cab companies. And, and the cab companies have quickly figured out, we can do this app too. I can have my yellow cab wherever, you know, you go on an app and we, we're, we're nearby. I, and so I, my, my point is, I, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of, you know, emphasis on technology and what it can do. And I feel like we're in the early stages of that here in our, in our industry. But in, in a lot of these companies, you know, they, they say they want to be the Uber or they used to say that. I don't know if they're still saying that. Um, I've heard it in a while. <laughs> <laughs> and Uber, by the way. Uber's bleeding money by the billions, right? I mean, they, they've yet to make a profit. I mean, and uh, like I said, uh, Zillow lost, you know, 200 million last year. And that's in an up market with this buy program. It's not unthinkable that, in my opinion, the, the faster there's a correction in the market, the more likely Zillow is to weather it. I think if, 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 we, if this crazy market was to continue another few years, you have to think that Zillow is just going to keep buying more and more and more houses each year. If they have a hundred thousand houses, it's going to be far worse for them than if they have ten thousand or fifty thousand. When there's some kind of turnaround, and we all know there's always a turnaround, right? What well, do you remember? Think, they Joe? froze when we did this show a year ago. A year, I guess it's been a year. They a did, bit. yeah. They froze. No. They, they yeah. canceled transactions. They froze yep. it out. Yep. But and that may happen again. But in the interim, 
going back to the point of what you were bringing up is like, how does that affect traditional real estate, right? And it's it's hard as an agent to talk to a buyer. I mean, we've had multiple transactions I've seen go through my office here where they're like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm just going to sell to Zillow, right? So, and, and they're actually, the reason why they want to sell to Zillow is because they're, they think they're going to net more, right? And not have to deal with any of the friction. So that's a tough battle um, as an agent. And you're right. I don't think there's a silver bullet for that, Steve, but I don't know, Joe, have you come across any clients that have like been weighing the pros and cons of, you know, traditional listing versus selling to Zillow? I haven't. Uh, although one of my future clients, uh, uh, you bought their house, <laughs> but not Zillow. Oh, uh, okay. The, uh, I don't, I, I don't think it's a good deal. Zillow isn't always the stupid money in the game, right? Uh, sometimes they come out with super high prices that are unobtainable, but not always. Sometimes they give a crappy offer. And what you need to look at if, if they say, hey, this house is 830 and Steve, you were to list it for 815, the convenience fees that they have attached to that, they would probably still be better off with you because convenience takes place of hard work. And that usually means costing money. I could sell my car for a hell of a lot more than if I ran it down to uh, CarMax, you know, or the people on the park benches that say uh, we buy ugly homes. Well, they're probably not going to give you market value, but that model that, Open Door and Zillow and, and companies like that have, their objective wasn't to make a profit. Their objective was to change the way real estate was being done and then make a profit. And if you go back and you look at uh, Zillow, when they started, they would say, hey, here's this estimate for your house. Now that you know what your house is worth, you don't really need a realtor to, to try and figure it out. We're telling you what it is. So here's a list of realtors that are on our payroll that you can use to uh, list your house. And those are the people that buy the leads. So um, when I did my comparison side by side, every once in a while, those companies come in with a stupid offer where you just have to say, that's a dumb offer, take it. But that's one out of 10, usually. And it's true. It's uh, If you look at what's happened in the last six years, real estate companies have become tech companies. And then the tech companies are now becoming real estate companies. So I don't know that it's uh, changing the way real estate is done. We're starting to feel the effects of them getting a bigger piece of our market share. But I'll tell you what, if the market tightens up, um, they're not going to be in a great position, uh, is my thought. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to be over your ski tips with just way too much money uh, going in on these homes, way too much for the carrying costs. And if the market corrects, that's not a profitable model. Um, so, uh, so far, thankfully, I haven't had a lot of that, but I like to serve a, a higher price range. I mean, our motto is million dollar service in all price ranges, right? So I don't care if you have a $200,000 townhome somewhere, but these companies don't, there's a limit and I forgot what it was. I think they raised it. They, they in the past wouldn't go over like 700, 
Um, but now they're getting into higher and higher price ranges, but I haven't seen those guys approach million on up listings. And so that's one less thing to deal with, with those people. So it doesn't affect everything I do, but where it would affect what I do, I haven't had any problems. There's certain markets that they definitely are more active. Like, let's say the, like the Vegas, the Phoenix, where you have your kind of cookie cutter nineties built three, two houses, right? One level. Like the, those are the markets that are, are currently most at risk, let's say for traditional realtors to kind of get put out in the cold because they're paying the most for these, you know, stamped out type houses that they can easily comp. And there's just very little X factor in them. And I'd be worried for a lot of realtors in those types of markets. You're right though, Joe, as you climb up, you know, price point, Steve, you said that you kind of preemptively did this for multiple reasons, but one of the benefits is that they do have a proverbial cap on what they're willing to spend. But as they continue to try and grab market share, I've seen them push that cap and push that cap. And so how far they'll push it, I, have, I really don't know. But, you know, right now we're, we have kind of a dynamic market, a whole bunch of price points, different age of home. It just makes it more challenging for them to buy stuff here that doesn't fit within their description, which is their buy box, right? Everybody's got a different buy box that's in this game as a prop tech company. And so that buy box is continually expanding so they can expand their volume, but where it expands to, I don't know. Well, fortunately, we're in a market with so many different housing types that there's a lot that falls outside of that currently. The other Almost thing like those companies, when they jumped into the market, and I'm going to do a blanket thing. I'm not picking on Zillow. And by the way, we're not doing anything unethical talking about a company's uh, mode of operation. But Open Door and the Zillow, and there were a few other ones that came and went like that. Um, when they first got into the market, we would get an offer. Uh, for the house. And then we would do our own sort of tail of the tape, right? The Benjamin Franklin, here's us, here's this other company. Maybe they give you more money, but that convenience fee and all the what if fee, you know, you don't have to have any repairs and you don't have to do any of this stuff, but we're going to take a big swing at you. The only thing we're really talking about for sellers, maybe a tiny bit convenience, but you also have to look at the net. So if they buy a house and it's 10 grand more, however, they net more with you. Um, and is it really that much more convenient? I mean, that's the question, but they have all these calculators of what your net would look like going through one of those companies versus what a net looks like going through us. And the, the metrics on that didn't wash, but every once in a while, I mean, if you go to the Zillow website and, you know, I've had properties over the years and I'd look up my properties and sometimes it's a hundred grand high or a hundred grand low or more of a coincidence. It happened to be pretty darn close. When you're just crunching numbers like that, it's very difficult to come up with an accurate price. If you don't know the inside baseball, you know, what does it look like inside? What's, what's the interior, the condition, the amenities, the location, what are the things proposed in the area? I mean, there's a lot to it, um, but they are wrong. Uh, usually I've seen on the low side when you compare the convenience fees. Hey, people, will, people will exchange equity for ease of transaction though. That's a universal. We've been doing that for years. And I think it's just now become more mainstream that that amount that they can trade is, is slightly less, well, it's, it's less generally with Zillow or something like that, that has cheaper capital and is a bigger operation than it would be with somebody like myself or another kind of, um, you know, house buyer, let's call it. So 
I think just like you could take your car and go turn it into the dealership, that's been known forever, right? It's just, that's kind of a newer concept for the traditional homeowner. And we're kind of seeing how that plays out and how many times out of 10, a homeowner will adopt that, right? Is it two out of 10? Is it six out of 10? We don't know yet. I think that's yet to be determined. Yeah. Hey, you know, you know what, what about this market makes me nervous, Tucker? Tell me, because I'm curious. That, that no one's nervous. <laughs> yeah yeah well except us that have been in it yeah i mean i mean like like you, you you see these posts and everyone's like no i mean it's like it's like 2008 has been forgotten it really is like there, um that that to me is a telltale sign of a bubble because you wouldn't have a bubble if everyone was looking around going oh no i think this is a bubble right i mean um to it's, me uh, it's, it's it's real it's, estate Real estate fight club, right? Number no, number one rule is the market's always fine. It's a perfect time to sell and buy within the same market. So yeah. fight club, you never talk about fight club. Real estate, everything's Nobody thought it was a bubble bunnies. last time either. Remember? They, 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 I mean, even the Fed chairman came out and said, ah, oh, worst case is a soft landing, right? Like, yeah. So there was not no talk of it at all back then either. So I don't know. I, it's up. I, I do know that the trajectory of prices cannot continue, right? Yeah. It's that cannot happen. So 20% year over year. And that it had gone up a lot before that. The it kind of reminds me what's happening. It and 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 we don't know when when it's gonna turn around or how or what, but but and we're just we're just a couple dudes talking, right? But but it there's there's elements of it that are reminiscent of both the dot-com bust and the Great Recession combined. Because you have tech companies, and that's what's scary about tech companies, right? Zillow's calls themselves a tech company. I mean, they are a tech company, but they've they've become a real estate company. Um, and then you've got the open doors; they're tech companies, just like Uber. Tech companies notoriously are famous for we don't need to make money for a long time, and a lot of times they'll point to Amazon and they'll go, "Look, Amazon didn't need to make money for a long time. We're like them." Well, in the in in the dot com bust, everybody was saying that, and then all of a sudden they realized there's a bunch of crap out there. Sure, did Amazon survive that? Absolutely. But do you know, for every one Amazon and every you know one company that that made it through that and did well, there was twenty or fifty or a hundred that didn't. So you have that element, but now it's intertwined with real estate, and that's where it kind of reminds me of of both those you know, downturns combined. You've got these tech companies that are saying, we don't need to make money. We're just figuring out the algorithm. And, and as soon as we have it figured out, we're going to scale this. And once we're on, at a massive scale, then we're going to make a bunch of money. Um, There's another component to this though, Steve, that not all these companies are buying and selling, right? And because you buy, you sell, you've got carry costs, sell costs, you've got a, a net profit, net loss within a finite amount of time. There's other ones that are, they're determining what they'll pay based on a cap value, just like multifamily is, right? People buy at a five cap, four cap, an eight cap, if you're getting a deal in today's market, right? But, you know, in these markets like Phoenix, Phoenix and Vegas and some other ones where you've got kind of the cookie cutter type housing, the cap rates they're buying at is 4% or slightly less. And if you translate that cap rate to you know, the value of the asset, it's usually 15, 20% higher than if you comped it out to traditional sales, right? So there's like this transition that's happening where houses are now being valued 
as a cap rate versus comps. Um, and that's never been done before, or at least in the single family world at scale. So, you know, they're a slightly different model because their model is to hold. They want to turn, you know, their goal. I've heard it said they want to turn America into a renter nation, right? And if you want to participate in the equity that's achieved through appreciation, buy stock in the companies that are doing it, right? And that's ultimately the goal, at least to some extent. So, you know, you've got your buy sell divisions or companies, and then you've got your buy rent companies. And they've said, look, we're going to take all this money and we're going to plow it into these houses and we're going to get a four cap or a little bit less. And our debt service is going to, you know, we're going to be at like one and a half, two percent on our debt. And we're going to arbitrage the difference. And that's our cash flow. And that's how we're going to do it. Right. So I think it's important to, to recognize that there's two different ships here on how they're operating. And some of them do both, but it does change the end outcome of what could happen if shit hits the fan. Right. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing that's reminiscent of 2005 and six It's it's wall street mon money propping these up. I mean, these are publicly traded companies. They're, 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 they're selling bonds. There was something recently I read where Zillow did a, a bond sale of half a billion dollars and, and, and there's buyers for it. They loved it. They're eating it to this up. You know, there's a lot of people drinking the Kool-Aid thinking, Oh, you're taking over real estate. You're a tech company. You're going to change everything. And uh, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not buying it. I know it's a problem in the short term, but I, 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 I'd like to be on record going saying this isn't gonna. This well, is. I'll leave it on this, and then we'll move on. One of the companies that I've seen inside kind of the machine, they had a, a recent round of fundings that was over uh, subscribed in like two hours for millions and millions and millions of dollars. And right now they're not making any money. And right now they don't have anybody driving that ship that has any real real estate experience. But yet there's money that's chasing a yield that was willing to invest in them and oversubscribe to their current round of funding within two hours. So yeah, yeah. to your point. Well, and that's that's reminiscent of the dot-com, right? The, the dot-com bubble happened because there was so many people that believed everything is going up. Everything is great. Anything that has the dot-com behind it is a good bet. Is And for a while there, it looked like everything was because all the stocks were rising until the music stopped. And then all of a sudden, if you, if you did if you weren't profitable or you were about to be profitable, you were in big trouble because the money stopped coming in. And make no mistake, I mean, a company like Zillow that's losing, you know, last year lost two hundred million. If the money stops coming in, you know, that's there's real issues. So who knows what will there there? It'll be interesting to see what could happen. That's the catalyst that creates the money stop flowing. In 2007, it was the realization that, oh, shit, the shitty mortgages are still shitty when they're sliced up because <laughs> they stopped performing. And all of a sudden, the money stopped flowing and rumblings were happening that, whoa, there's this is going to be bad, right? There's a lot of bad mortgages out there. It'll be interesting you know, to see what could be the catalyst. And, and it doesn't have to be real estate related. It could be interest rate related. It could be, um, you know, there's a lot of things. So anyways, let's go on to another subject. Joe, you want to introduce? Um... Yeah, let's see here. Uh, are we on uh, Ann Reed's? Yeah, do that one. Yep. August 20th. Hey, Masters, I'd like your opinion on the following scenario. Buyer has two good friends that are licensed realtors and can't decide which one to work with for their home purchase. So 
They propose that they will work with both and whichever realtor shows them the house they wanna write an offer on will be the one that represents them and gets the sale. So obviously no agency agreement signed until the offer is written. Uh, you are one of said realtors. Do you accept this proposal or not? That was a, that's crazy. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. That's an everybody lose scenario. Uh, I don't know why anyone would possibly engage in that or like uh, a good TV show, reality TV show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> be, yeah, actually. That's <laughs> the race. Like, yeah. like a house house comes out in the search. She, she does a group text. I'd like to see it. They're both diving for their cars, calling. That's a good, uh, you know what? I bet somebody does that someday. <laughs> well, that's probably why the buyer thought of it. They're, you know, trying to cut it down to the, you know, being very gracious with two friends. We love you both. We don't know who to use. <laughs> But now we have two realtors busting their ass, showing us properties on the daily and sending us emails and stuff. From the real estate perspective, you know, we don't get hired for emailing them the house or, or making them aware of the listing. There's enough information. They can find all that stuff on their own. It's the negotiations and what you have up here. Yeah, And so true when you have that relationship with somebody, you just say, Hey, look, if we're working together, I got you 100%. I'm going to work diligently. I'm going to give you my, my whole heart and I'm going to be loyal to you. And I expect the same. And this scenario doesn't fall in that scenario. So um, I would kind of throw it back on them and say, if you want me and only me, you can have me. If you don't want me and only me, now you have a decision to make. And that's the way I work. There's enough real estate out in the world that, you know, I don't have to get in a horse race with somebody to try and sell a property. I'd love to be the one, but uh, I'm the kind of guy that if someone gives me an ultimatum, I will never take it just out of principle. Unless it's a fabulous ultimatum, but uh which I would guess that that's, you know, that's your personality type. I'm curious, Steve, your take, because you'd probably be like, well, screw that other guy. I'm going to get this. Little. Well, I mean, what, what's your take on it? Yeah. Uh, I like Matt Moss's comment. It's the first comment. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've, I've um, often said to buyers who kind of have broached this or, you know, acted disloyal, I've, a, a comment that I, I like to say is like, look, having two realtors is the equivalent of having zero realtors. You, you might think you're getting more, you're actually getting less because instead of two people working hard or instead of one person working hard for you, you have two people going, what, huh? Uh, really? Uh, okay. And, and Chase scratching their heads. Right. And, and, and not, not wanting to do it much. Um, no, I, I, I wouldn't do anything. The only, I, there was some creative um, answers that I thought were good. If you were ever going to go down this path, some people were saying, well, maybe have an agreement where you could document the two agents agree that whichever one doesn't do the deal gets a referral fee of some sort. And they're both apparently friends of this person. So I guess if you wanted to work with this friend, um, apparently the two realtors are not friends. I, I read through the thread and they're not friends, but they're independently friends of this person. So if this was someone you wanted to help out um, and 
realized that there wasn't a guaranteed commission, then maybe that would be a creative way where both can get paid. Um, I mean, I would probably just politely bow out and just say, you know, that's not really how it works. There was some great advice about like, you know, you, I would make a run at explaining like, look, that, that's that's probably going to be a, a worse outcome for you because like I said, two is like zero working for you. I, um, I would probably try to encourage them to pick one and probably me would be the one I'd be encouraging them to pick. And if they wouldn't, I would probably bow out. But if somebody was going to continue down this path, I liked the referral idea. Um, I thought that was creative. Um, one person even proposed 50-50, both working. Um, I don't know. That doesn't seem fair because I think the one who ultimately is writing it up and going into escrow should probably get a little bit more of the pie. What do you think, Tucker? Well, it's like a ride share of real estate commissions. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I it's it sounds like people just don't want to tell a friend no. They can't. You know, they're going to pick somebody else. So instead, you piss off two people instead of just one. So I don't know. I think you just you got to man up and just say, hey, I or my significant other or whatever, we just vibe better for this transaction with this person or. I don't know. Nobody ever tells the truth these days. So they'll probably come with some bullshit reason why they can't use them and they'll use somebody else. But you know, the truth is certain people work with other people better or they find certain people to be more competent than others. Right. And so ideally you'd like a competent person that you work the best with and that's who you pick. So, you know, sometimes you win them, sometimes you lose them. I mean, we lost yeah. plenty in the, in the mortgage game back in the day. I'm sure, you know, you occasionally lose people now, not because you're not great at what you guys do, but just the, the yeah. connection wasn't right. Right. And that's a big thing in this too. So, yeah reminds me of the of a good saying with friends like this who needs enemies right <laughs> exactly. um it's a great place to be in your business if you can say no nah, nah, i'm good i don't need this transaction you know i'd love to work with you but if 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 that's you know this is how i operate and if that doesn't work for you and if, if i i'm not your person i i'm okay yeah good so, thing cool. this isn't good thing it's not common practice because the profession of being a real estate agent is a lot like an insurance agent or, or an attorney. Like everybody knows a half a dozen of them, right? And so if this were common practice, it would really get messy, but. Uh, <laughs> I like the TV show angle though. It would I think be TV so show great. You, you would have, here's what would happen. A new house would get listed. It would be emailed out by both of the agents, which in of itself is stupid, right? This. There, that's one of the problems somebody needs to explain is you're going to get two of every house, including the ones you don't want to have even one of. Um, and the, 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 a good one's going to come out by, it's going to get sent by both agents. They're going to, there's going to be a group thread that goes, I like this one. I want to see it as soon as possible. Both are going to be scrambling. Probably one's going to be zipping over there in their robe. <laughs> They'll, they'll both pull up, all three of them will pull up, the two realtors and the buyer in their cars. One of the realtors will be at the lockbox. Maybe this is a vacant house, right? So there's no time constraints. Just, just get there as fast as possible. And they'll be like, ha ha, I beat you here. And the other one's like, oh. oh that, this has HGTV written all over oh, it. Oh, I love yeah. it. We're, we're doing this. We're doing this. Hey, let's uh, let's jump to the next category. Um, let, me, uh, let me pull this one up. This one was posted by... Alex Lacey Sand, um, August 30th. Um, and it says, it's pretty long, um, it, but it's basically about um, 
and, and, and I think we're going to talk about a few things even beyond this. Um, just, just, um, treating people well and, and courtesy and, um, and, and, uh, you know, best practice with regards to showings and, and, and Tucker has a funny story that I'm, I'm excited for him to share with everyone, but she showed up to a, she had booked a property for a showing at three 30 to, for the, to, to go look at when she got there at three 30, the lockbox was open. So I went ahead and opened it again. So the listing agent would know I punched it. She went inside and, um, there was an agent there who said she needed a minute to finish up. She said, no problem. She went outside and closed the door. Um, and at about three 35, she opened the door again. She said, um, she, the, the, the agent who was inside looked annoyed, said, I need two more minutes. I, if I recall correctly, I think she was doing some kind of virtual showing FaceTime showing. She finally said, um, you know, I have a three 30 appointment. It's hot outside. Um, can we come in and at least be in a different part of the house? She acted annoyed at that. She said, okay, come in, but I'll look at the lower level. You look at the main level. And then um, she said, and then the agent that was inside said, you need to have a little grace as she handed me the keys. Um, she was kind of snarky. And um, and so that, that was kind of the general of it. Um, I mean, it sounded like the agent who was there prior wasn't respecting the appointment that was made and then was snarky when she was trying to, you know, enter and, and, and abide by the appointment that was made. So Joe, why don't you dig into this one? Well, we come across this a lot and now with the pandemic, it's even more heightened, right? Um, heaven forbid we have more than two people in a house at a time. Uh, but what's interesting is we see this a lot. Uh, someone will go and they'll show a house open the lockbox, take a key, unlock the house, put the key in their pocket, and then lock themselves in. And I know there's part of it that is a safety thing, but the other thing is nobody else can come in while you have the only key and you lock you, yourself and your prospects in the house. And I know you want to have a private showing, but you have to be sensitive to the other brokers that she was there at three o'clock or three 30 at her appointment time. And you're still there. You know, you're the one kind of in the wrong and we all should like cooperate and collaborate with one another and not look at it as competition, especially when you have a house and a price range, a new listing, you can't get in on showing time. And it's just an ant farm there. If everyone's snarky and if no one shows up on time, it's going to spin out of control. I think there's enough house that everyone can kind of see it. Hey, why don't you check out the detached garage? Why don't you walk around outside? Why don't you go upstairs? We stay on the main floor. Or how about this? Why don't we just kind of look at it together, provided you know the pandemic isn't affecting anything, and treat it like an open house. If you love it or hate it, just don't say anything until you're outside the house. By the way, if you're showing a... a a house to somebody and uh, nobody else is there, you probably still want to save all of your comments, good or bad, when you're outside the house because of cameras and audio recording uh, devices these days. But the theme of this is we got to respect our profession, the people in our profession, and everyone needs to play nice with each other and, and do it by the books as best you can. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this happens. Um, I, I mean, there are times I've, I've been doing showings and, and we run a little bit long and usually it's when they like it a lot and they're, and, and, and I think most of us are on board to, to show up and, and wait outside or in the car five minutes, 10 minutes. It seemed like this one went longer than that. And, and usually that is what happens is they'll come up to the door and you go, Oh, we're just wrapping up. Can we have five more minutes? And, and I've never had somebody not, understand that and and be um be you know okay with that um uh one agent made it sound one one agent came across here on the comments and said well i would just say it's my time you need to leave firmly and i, I don't know if it's quite that way that's pretty aggressive um but if it goes beyond that that's rude on the part of the person that had um that was there first um it happens. I don't, uh, Tucker, why don't you talk about your story? Yours is, yours is far more egregious than this. Um, yeah, I think it's just the lead in to like, just be kind of a, a normal, thoughtful human being, uh, which for whatever reason, there seems to be a percentage, well, of everybody, but a percentage of realtors that just can't do that well. Um, and that's the same as probably with insurance agents, everybody else that's not picking on realtors, but I had one, uh, this, couple few weeks ago and they'll remain nameless of course but i text you guys i was like this seems ridiculous uh because i was kind of in, like did this really happen uh but we had a house that i personally just moved into and there was an agent that showed a house down the street and the one down the street was actually for sale it was on the market it was you know had a lot of people through it for obvious reasons uh you know and uh, the agent noticed that the house that I moved into was looked to be freshly renovated. There wasn't a for sale sign or anything out front. Um, but I don't know if they had seen previously that there was a TTM sign there. I don't know, but he decided to just stroll on up the street with his clients and literally just walked right in my house. And this was after, um, I had moved some of my personal belongings into the garage and we were kind of punching out some of the inside. And, uh, so he went through there and my wife, walked in the house and was like, uh, what are you doing here? And he was like, oh, the guys out front said I could come in. Well, the guys out front were on landscapes. They don't speak English. So that was, <laughs> you know, obviously not the case. And they wouldn't tell anybody they could go in either. But then he left his card on the counter after he left. And so I, I ended up calling his principal broker. And I was like, you know, you employ probably one of the dumbest agents in town, right? Like, I mean, this is Clearly, I get what he's trying to do, which is he's trying to show clients inventory that maybe not be on the market yet. But when you walk up, there's no sign. You don't know the guy that owns it. And trust me, I know plenty of people and they, they creep on our job sites when they're in, pro, you know, in progress. And I obviously I frown upon it, but I know it happens. Right. But it's when it's a finished house and you have personal belongings in there. Like you can't just walk on through because the garage door is open. And so Anyway, that happened to me. That would fall under. What did the, the principal broker say, Tucker? Uh, he was very apologetic and, you know, understanding, but, you know, it's not the principal broker's problem at the end of the day. It's just, you know, I was like, look, I'm not going to do anything more than just tell you to tell him he's an idiot too, because he's an idiot, right? And he probably needs to hear it from you, because when he heard it from me, he was just like, oh, you know, no big deal. Sorry. You know, I didn't mean to. Well, obviously you did. But, you know, I just think, some realtors just need to like, uh, you know, just be a normal human being with, uh, you know, think yeah. about things before you either say them or do them. And, you know, does it pass the sniff test of, of being, you know, normal or, or way outside of that? And that was one where, and I said it to you guys, I was like, what in the hell was he thinking? And it, it was him trying to find inventory for his clients. I get it. But at the expense of 
basically just walking into somebody's house thinking that maybe it might be for sale. So that's my know, uh, one other one other scenario that has popped up when there's a, a cute little house, it's a low price range in a cool area, maybe a little bit underpriced. And those who, where they say use showing time, you look at showing time and you look at the calendar and it's available to show from 10 a.m. till 7 p.m. And it's black, just blacked out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I'd call the broker and I say, look, it's there isn't an available time. What am I supposed to do? I mean, can I still show it? How can I show it? Mm -hmm. And what a lot of brokers have told me is, you know what? It's been nuts over there. Just whatever is a convenient time for your people, just show up and see if you can kind of squeeze in, um, which puts you in a bad position because mm -hmm. you're going to be trying to squeeze in when someone leaves and the new people haven't showed up yet. And maybe there's a gap uh, where there's going to be some overlap. And if we don't play nice, it's, it's going to be terrible. But uh, I don't recommend that uh, way of showing houses, but sometimes you don't have a choice. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many houses I've seen that have been completely blacked out because of that. Mm-hmm. And that could cause yeah. friction. I could see that being a friction point for yeah, you know, depending on who the agents are on both sides of that. So yeah, that's that's when you need to either expand your hours of showing or do some kind of open house or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, let's go into the next one. Um, this one was Michael Tiffany Durant. You want to talk about that one, Joe? Yeah. Let me find it. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, Hey, we also forgot one. We forgot the, uh, do you name your houses? Uh, Let's do Michael Tiffany Durant's first. Cause this is a good one. I think. Yeah. This is yeah. Uh, oh, maybe we did. I'm sorry. So, uh, great news. I have clients that are looking to close the sale of their house today. Buyer's financing fell through last minute due to unforeseen circumstances, but they were able to get an additional pre-approval letter from another lender today with an extended close date. I'm going to fast forward. The house is vacant. And the broker had this kind of weird suspicion that because it was their original move-in date that maybe the buyers were like gonna move in anyway. And they were exactly right. They showed up to the house and these buyers were moving in kind of with uh, well, we have nowhere to go and we have to be out and we have to be in. And um, which is uh, such a massive <laughs> liability that, I never want to be in this situation on either side. nuts. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they don't close on time. Their lender kills the deal. They say they're going to a new lender and um, they decide to just go and move in. I mean, gosh, red flags everywhere. <laughs> Tucker, you had a great comment on this one, by the way. Well, didn't they jump the realtor in terms of like lines of communication? Didn't they go straight to the seller and ask for permission to move in? That's how I read it. Oh, uh, let's see. And the seller said yes. It's really long. I didn't read the whole thing. Yes, yes, you're right, Tucker. Which, I reached out to my seller last night. I personally tried to agree to a verbal contract for occupancy until. Uh, so, yeah. So yeah. that makes it a little better, but not much. Uh, I think it makes it worse because then you're reaching out to people that like, potentially have no idea how this game works right with like, yeah. like 
you know, if a more if, if <laughs> you and I both know, Steve, if a mortgage gets killed on the last day, like you were throwing a Hail Mary to begin with, right? And like, so now <laughs> you want to move in and restart because we had we had one that just got extended again in our office this week. And like uh, Chris in here, he called the, the mortgage broker and he's like, all right, is this like a handoff or a Hail Mary? It, you know, <laughs> we're doing an extension. Like, you got to let me know here. And uh, anyway, it ended up being a handoff, but this is definitely a Hail Mary if it crashes and burns on the last day. So I would say if they went through the agents, it would kind of curate the information a little more and just say, hey, here are the risks of doing it. I don't advise it. But if you go straight to the sellers, you could be like, hey, we're a great family. We really want to move in the house. We're so committed to it. It's like, you can be as committed as you want to, but if the lending can't get done, it doesn't matter, right? So that's how I see it as worse. Well, yeah, yeah, potentially a lot worse, actually. I mean, and there's a moratorium on on ten, on rentals right now, so you 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 could have a, a you could have a, a stay in squatter. Um, in that case, yeah, you're you're. I mean, your your comment was spot on, Tucker. You got a lot of likes on it. I mean, first thing you got to figure out is why did the financing fall apart? Why did that lender say no? And why is someone else going to say yes? Right. <clears throat> That's uh, mission number one. Um, that would be, is it a Hail Mary or handoff? And, you know, is it, do they, did they get their income docs and their income don't support the DTI or, uh, you know, did they just call for a verification of employment and nobody picked up the phone, right? Like which, which one is it? So early occupancy is to be almost avoided at all costs. There's once in a while, a great reason to do it or good, maybe a good reason to do it. I, but it's not very often. I, I don't, I think it's been a couple of years since I was in a transaction where there was early occupancy. I mean, it's tough um, when people have the moving vans lined up. We've had a few over the years where like they literally couldn't get movers. And, you know, I've called the loan officer just to see like, you know, if it's, it's not dead, but it needs an extension. If it dies, there's no way in hell that I'm letting anybody yeah. out. But if it needs like a couple of day extension, and I've let them put stuff in the garage and that's the extent of it, um, but they can't stay there, but they have to be asking for an extension. That's a short extension, not like a redo of the entire finance. Yeah. I, I think that's a totally different request. Yeah, that was a lot of funny. I mean, talk to your principal broker immediately was one yeah. of the comments. Yeah. Like if you make a post on masters and people are posting, talk to your principal broker immediately. <laughs> they're they're like um it's, it's serious <laughs> yeah it could be a problem for you i wonder how that shook out did they ever do a, a post on did they actually close it or move out i'd be curious i'd be we should reach out it was yeah. uh yeah i we think get it was an update on that one michael tiffany durant yeah let's yeah. uh, it's, uh it's, what, it's a scenario that can go wrong like 500 different ways or nothing goes wrong there's no upside whatsoever it's a massive explosion or you threaded the needle, they did close and everybody's happy. But I'd be curious if the plane crashed into the mountain on that one. Or not. <laughs> so we'll get, we'll get an update on that one. Uh, we, could, we could call Michael live on the air. <laughs> yeah. hey, we're calling for an update. <laughs> you're, you're on a podcast. Yeah, they're still live on Masters. <laughs> that would be, that'd be interesting. All right, maybe next week. All right, what's uh? I think we're done with that one. What's the other one? Was that the naming the house one, or is there? Yeah, this one? was yours, Joe. Oh yeah, it was just one of those fun ones. Uh, every once in a while, you. 
think of something in your mind and then you think, am I the only one that does this or does everybody do this? Right. And I'm just like, when you show multiple homes to buyers, do you like name them? And it turns out like everybody names the houses, especially if you're showing three to five homes and you're trying to reference a house, they do blend together. I mean, they're all going to be in the same price range, more or less the same area. And so if you're trying to identify a house, if you call it the, the blue carpet house or the, you know, fuzzy wallpaper house or cat pee house or whatever it is, it immediately brings them to the house you're talking about. And so I encourage them to name them. And some people say, yeah, we name houses, but we only name them positive things. And I don't put that spin on my people. I'm like, hey, we're leaving this house. We got to think of something that will make you remember. You think of it, right? I'm not going to tell them what they can assimilate to and remember. So they think about it and they just say, you know, above ground pool in the backyard house or something. And then it's like, that's the name of it, positive or negative, but really funny to just have validation that we all do the same crazy stuff like naming houses. I mean, you guys do yeah. it too, don't you? Um, I don't know that I um, have specifically said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's name each house. Um, I, I, I'm not against that. I think it's actually cool. I'm, I'm, I might try that. Um, but sometimes they just, you know, it happens organically. Like they're like, oh, that's, you know, the, uh, the blank blank house or, you know, what the, 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 whatever you, you get it. Um, the purple walled house or whatever. Um, you, usually you're not naming houses that aren't still in the mix. Right. I mean, right. Cause if you're leaving it and they hate it, like what's the point in naming it? Um, you're not going to reference, you're not going to talk about your houses that were terrible. I mean, on the, we usually name on the buy side. So be, they'll be like the cat piss house or whatever, yeah. you know, it's, so we're, but we're actively trying to buy those, right? That's a good thing in our side. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, that's, we name them all the time. That's, yeah. That's on your checklist, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Since we're, talking, <laughs> since we're talking on this subject, I, and I'm curious if I'm alone here. So one of the things that I, that drives me crazy in this business, when I sell a house, when I'm listing a house, I just about always remember the street name. Okay. Hey, my upper drive listing or my, um, you know, Boone's Ferry listing or whatever. And it's easy to remember when the street is a number, my brain goes to mush. And I don't know if I'm alone there. Like I have listings on 114th, 80, you know, 85th, 207th. Uh -huh. And I, they just don't, they don't, they don't hang out in my memory the same way. I'll be like, which house is that again? Am I alone there, Joe? I mean, does that, or Tucker, do you, do, do the numbered streets just not stick very well? The numbers streets don't stick out as well for me than like, you know, Valley View, right? Yeah. I always yeah. remember the street name versus the number, but I'm trying to put myself in a buyer's mindset. If I'm like, so you think Valley View is your top? You know, they have to, right? And start yeah. thinking, grinding yeah. gears instead of, hey, the one with the stained glass window at the entry, is that your favorite? And then they're like, yeah, the stained glass window on the entry. Um, so I think if you give someone a picture, they can go back there and remember it more than they can a street name or a number. 
but personally speaking, street names stick out more than numbers do. Yeah, if I look yeah. back at all of our projects, because I've done this, like I've got, you know, files upon files of all the houses we've done. If I'm looking at the number, if it's like a number street, I'm like, which one was that? But if I look at the street and I'm like, oh, that yeah. one, right? Like it definitely resonates more. Yeah. There, I have a client right, right now in Northwest Portland. He was on a numbered street and he built a house there and he put in a little street off of the numbered street and he registered it with the, the city and the county and it became his, his street. And I asked him, I was like, why did you do that? He's like, I did not want to be on a numbered street. It was like 118th or something. Hmm. He, um, it, it, it's a, it's a cool little estate property that's, that's in Northwest Portland. Um, but it, it validated what I, I and I'm, I'm not poo-pooing all numbered streets, but it, they, they are challenging and they're just less memorable, unfortunately. Um, and if you go into Washington, it's everywhere, right? <laughs> like everything's a numbered street up in Washington. I'm, I'm getting ready to list a, a, a $3.9 million estate and it's, it's on a numbered street. And I, I don't know, that's just not my favorite. You gotta give it a name then. Yeah, I gotta give it a name. Name. Yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, I think we're good there. I, I wanted to touch on this. Actually, I have a story and, uh, and then if you guys want to have anything to wrap up, I have a story that could have been on two of your posts, Joe. You're you're the king of, of interesting posts on Masters. You actually had two, and I could have put this on either one of them. You had one about um, the craziest thing that's ever happened to you in real estate. I could have put it there. Mm -hmm. You also had one about haunted houses, and I could have put it there. So mm -hmm. we just closed a deal. Um, I'm not going to say <laughs> what house or where it's at anywhere. And um, it was, it was the, the transaction got a little bit contentious through the transaction. You know, there was, there were tenants in the property and uh, they weren't easy to, to deal with. They weren't, they were chasing the buyers off. They were, they ended up staying on site. Buyers would show up and they brought, you know, and, and there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff going on with the house where the buyers kept needing to make appointments to bring back contractors and service providers and get bids and try to figure stuff out through the repair negotiations. And the whole thing just was, was not super pleasant and smooth. And there was a lot, you know, the, they, there was tense negotiations happening both early on for price and then later on for repairs. We were finally, um, we were, we, we were, we were, powering through and it was one of my team members taylor on my team you know taylor tucker um he uh he was he was getting through the repair negotiations but finally in the 11th hour like literally our deadline was five o'clock that day and this is like four o'clock the buyers dug in they said we will not do this we will we're in, they, 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 the seller had dug in the day before and said, said, this is the number I'll do for repairs. The buyer at four o'clock the next day says, nope, we're 5,000 apart and I'm dug in. So I'm with Taylor. We jump on the phone and, uh, and we're talking to the seller and we're like, and, and I'm, exp I'm almost thinking the deal's going to die. Right. I, um, they say, you know, we're breaking it to the seller that, we're 5,000 apart. They're not moving. I know you said you wouldn't move, but you know, we, you know, and we're trying to talk her into it. And I was expecting her to not say it. She finally goes, she, she goes, you know what? She's, she, she's pretty pissed off. She goes, you know what? Fine. 
just just give him the five thousand dollars but just so you know my husband died in that house. He fell down the stairs, broke his neck, and his ghost is in that house. <laughs> and, and, and I saw it, and that's why I moved out, and the tenants have seen it. And, uh, and they deserve that ghost, by golly, or something along those lines. And me and Taylor are like, what? We're like, I'm like, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, this is the craziest conversation I've ever had in real estate. She was and, serious. Oh, yeah. She was super serious. Yeah, yeah. And uh it doesn't and, cost uh, five grand to fix the steps. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she even jokes. She's like, in, 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 in the state of Oregon, I don't have to disclose that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think you do. So, okay, moving along. We'll give them the five grand. <laughs> wow. The deal's, wow. The deal's closed. So wow. there's that. There's my craziest story in real estate. And it's also my haunted house story in real estate. I have to follow up with those people offline. And see if <laughs> Might be another good I team. think I'm going to stay far away from everything to do with that. Those people. Yeah. That might be one of those transactions. You just kind of, yeah, yeah. You're done. Yep. Yeah, we're done. So, well, so if he's, st if he's still breathing, can you like drag him outside? So like, <laughs> he, he dies outside the house. <laughs> Did you have any other posts on the craziest things in real estate, Joe? I thought that was a cool cool topic oh man i have a whole host of them and i toy with the idea of writing a book uh someday with the you know memoirs of what i go through but uh ferocious dogs naked people passed out people naked passed out people uh walking in <laughs> weed, weed grow operations uh porn movie sets where they do filming like in the basement um you know People get <laughs> biblical with one another. I had a, uh, a shown property and the gal uh, had an infant and she had one of those wine charm or those, those charm bracelets, you know, uh, and it had all kinds of trinkets on it. And the baby started going <laughs> like that. And I took her to the uh, emergency and the baby like swallowed what looks like a little wine or a little charm, uh, 747. I have a picture of the x-ray. It's a baby rib cage with like an airplane <laughs> in it. I just saw it the other day. Um, all kinds of, uh, let's just say finger quote toys and weapons out in the open. Uh, I walked into a robbery in progress. So, so many weird things. I didn't even get started. These are all your stories. These are just me. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, see, that's what happens when you move up price point, Steve. You lose out on all these great <laughs> stories. <laughs> I'm not leaving the low price point. I'm just, I'm just picking up the big price point. <laughs> I like, I like the lower price points. I like, I like the whole gamut. Uh, Once I'm here, I'm looking through here. I mean, this was such a great post, Joe. You had 178 comments here. Kelly Palmer Upkiss said, once opened the front door to a couple having sex, apparently the confirmed showing was not shared with the tenants. Wow. That'd wake you, that'd wake you up in the morning. Yeah, that's a, that, that, that'd leave a mark, yeah. <laughs> During a home inspection, I opened a bedroom door and a naked guy popped out of the bed at the moment I closed the door while saying sorry. I yeah. found... I found a dead guy who had exploded from the heat after being in the house for a week during the July heat wave. Oh my gosh. That would traumatize you. Yeah. We found a yeah, dead guy once uh, that was still in a bag. They hadn't removed him. 
uh, yeah, that was interesting. Um, so yeah, we've seen some too. Yeah, everybody's got stories. I think that should be like a, uh, you could do a memoir of masters of that, like give me your best stories and, you know, there'd be a lot of them, I'm sure. There were so many good ones. It, well, if, those, are, those are just the people that took the time to comment yeah. Story. Yeah. I mean, I know that you guys each have a dozen stories, as do I, but uh, I didn't have the time to post mine, but sure enjoyed reading them. Well, yeah. I think we got through everything today. What, an hour and a half? Um, so that should about button us up, huh, fellas? Yeah. Well, we didn't start on time as, as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As but yeah, to our listeners, if you haven't read this post, go back. You can do a search, search for Joe and search for the word craziest and you'll it'll come up right away. And uh, there's some great, <laughs> great entertaining comments. And they're a lot of they're pretty short and quick. It's, it's a fun read. So cool show, guys. Well, hey, have a uh, wonderful weekend, both you guys and our listeners. And um, we'll see you again probably in about a month or so. Yep, we'll be back as soon as we can, everybody. But have a good weekend, have a good Friday, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks again for listening to our show, and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.